Amen. You know, when I got married at age 23, I didn't know a thing about cooking. Uh, and, you know, sort of the, the, the upper limit of my cooking skills was following the directions on a box of mac and cheese. Right there? That was it. And, uh, but fortunately, we received for a wedding gift this wonderful thing. It was called the, the Better Homes and Gardens Step-by-Step Cookbook. And it had these little pictures in there. Uh, and, and all these techniques of, of basic uh, skills, cooking techniques, and basic recipes that I could follow. Let me tell you, that book taught me how to cook. And I'm so thankful because I, I, I've enjoyed cooking ever since. Uh, and, and so what I'd like for you to do now is to huddle up into groups of three or four and respond to this question. What's one thing where you're glad you learned the basics? All right? Now, uh, obviously, you know, uh, if you, once you grab your group here and you see somebody close by that doesn't have a group, just say, hey, you want to join us? And if they do, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. And if you're in a group, you say, I don't really want to share. That's fine. You don't have to. Just feel free to listen in. Uh, so what's one thing where you're glad you learned the basics? Now, I'm only going to give you a minute or two. So move it right along, starting now. You know, I think that's a conversation you could have with those people for 20 minutes, isn't it? Talking about that. Uh, we all know something of the basics. And uh, that's what we're focusing here this fall in our church. Uh, this is the fourth of eight Sundays on our series, The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith. And learning these basics is going to set you up for a lifetime of learning and growing and, and, and developing as a deep, daring, daily disciple of Jesus. Now, before we get into the heart of today's message, I want us to review the previous three weeks, um, and uh, it'll be up on the screen, and each time I'll read a question and you say with me the answer, okay? Let's try it. What is God like? God is perfect in power, knowledge, and in His holy love. Why is there evil? God gave us free will to obey and we did not. I like how direct that is. And we did not. And then a third one. Why did the Son of God become human? Because God loves us and wants to make us true children of God. And today's question is, what is salvation? What is salvation? Imagine that you have never been to a football game. Is there anybody here who's never been to a football game? You wouldn't admit it probably anyway, right? Anyway, you know nothing about the game. You know nothing about the teams or the traditions. And yet, this friend gave you their ticket to a Husker game. So, you're going. Game day, you know, you show up at the stadium and looking around. And, and you, you find your gate. And, and you, they say, scan your ticket. And uh, you, you enter the stadium and you, you follow the arrows to your section. And then you uh, go up the steps to your row. And then you scooch past everybody <laughs> trying to find. And there you see your number of your seat. And you've got 18 inches of plank to park your buns for the next three and a half hours. <laughs> You're in the stadium. You're at the game, but that doesn't make you a fan. 
and you definitely don't know the team story. You don't know that the first University of Nebraska football game was played on Thanksgiving Day in 1890 against the Omaha YMCA. You didn't know that from 1900 to 1916, Nebraska had five undefeated seasons. You didn't know that Memorial Stadium was built 96 years ago with a third of its present capacity, honoring those who served in the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, and World War I. You didn't know that the program rose to national prominence uh, when Coach Devaney came in 62 and continued with Coach Osborne through 96. You didn't know the tenacity of current Coach Scott Frost to raise the program back to national prominence. Here's all you do know. You got a ticket. <laughs> and you're in the stadium. And for a lot of people, salvation is like that. Salvation is like, I got my ticket to heaven. I believe in Jesus, so I've got my pass through the pearly gates. But they don't know the story. The story of salvation goes back nearly 4,000 years ago when, when God spoke to Abraham and made him this promise. Genesis 12, I, God says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And say the words in red with me. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples, all nations, all groups will be blessed through you. God chose Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites. But God's promise, you see, was for everybody. God was setting in motion a restoration project that would reach out to the entire sinful world. Now, centuries later, the Israelites were uh, turned out to be slaves in Egypt, and yet God came to their rescue to set them free. And here's something I think that is easy to miss. Saving the Israelites required judging their oppressors, right? God's saving work always requires judging evil. There, there cannot be justice until injustice is judged. Does that make sense? There cannot be justice until injustice is judged. The Old Testament also says that God wanted Israel, these people, to be a light for the Gentiles. You're like, this little light of mine, you know? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Unfortunately, Israel was not very keen on that calling, being a light to the world. Plus, they, they, they turned out they were really more part of the problem than the answer. And yet, God's restoration project would not be stopped. He promised that one day he would, he would send his Messiah, a faithful Israelite, who would be the light for all the world. The prophet Isaiah also talked about the suffering servant who had come, who would suffer disgrace and death on our behalf. He would take upon himself the judgment for our evil, and yet he would return to life. Isaiah also said that one day God is going to fix 
all the things that are wrong in this messed up world and God is going to restore heaven and restore the earth and merge them together into one beautiful, glorious creation. And let me tell you, folks, that's going to be a real place, a physical place. It'll, It'll be a place of peace and justice, no more invasions, no more terrorism. No, no more racial hostility. God says they will neither harm nor destroy. Aren't you looking forward to that day? They will neither harm nor destroy. And the book of Daniel says that in addition there will be a day of resurrection. It says multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. But he says there will be a bodily resurrection. And Jesus is sent by the Father to be the crucial agent in this restoration project. And Jesus expresses, in, he expresses God's love when he, through his sacrificial death, as he takes all of our judgment upon himself. 1 John 2, verse 2, uh, as, as uh, Brian read for us, says, He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then he was raised to life, the first to be resurrected. So today's question then is, what is salvation? And here's the short answer. Let's say it together. Through Jesus' sacrificial death and victorious resurrection, we are reconciled to God and rescued from destruction. That is salvation. To be reconciled with God, to be rescued from destruction. And now, Jesus is the exalted king above all creation. He is the Lord of all. He's the the world's rightful ruler. Caesar, you know, he thought he was the ruler of the world. And and if you claim that Jesus was bigger than Caesar, well, then you got in a heap of trouble back then. Jesus is on the throne. And even now, he is bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing healing to places of hostility. He's bringing uh, truth to places of lies. He's bringing hope to places of hopelessness. You know, all over the world, people are hearing the good news that Jesus has carried their sins and taken their judgment upon himself. All over the world, people are hearing that Jesus has has come to rescue them from, from death and destruction. All over the world, the Holy Spirit is awakening people and and opening their hearts so that they no longer want to to live against God and at war with God. All over the world, millions of people are putting their trust in Jesus, especially in, in Africa and South America and in countries like China and South Korea. All over the world, Jesus is rescuing people from destruction and reconciling them to God. And when Jesus saves you, He fills you with the Holy Spirit, and He sends you out to be the change He wants to see in the world. That is the story of salvation. 
And so I ask you, are you in this story? Some of you would say, yes, I'm so excited. I love this story. I'm in this story. I love to tell the story. And some of you listen to that and you say, I don't know if I'm in it or not, but I really want to be. And others of you say, you know, I've never heard it told quite like that, and, and I'm curious. I'd like to know more. So how do we enter this story of salvation? How do we receive salvation? Today, uh, we get to watch one of the Absolute Basics videos uh, that will address that question. So let's watch. As you saw, the, the video highlighted two words about receiving salvation, repent and believe. And, and that's how that happens, repent and believe. Let's say it together, shall we? Repent and believe. In uh, Mark's biography about Jesus and, and the, in the Bible, the first words out of Jesus' mouth in chapter 1 are, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. And read the rest with me, will you? Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. Now, what does that mean, repent? The video says it's when you change your mind. It's when you agree with God that, you know, you've, you've messed up, you've disobeyed, and that your sins have led to all kinds of problems. And now you're agreeing with God that you've been against him, you've been at war with God, and now it's time to surrender. It's, uh, it's time to change your mind and change your life. That's repenting. And to believe, it says, means to fully trust. So it's more than saying, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's saying, Jesus, I, I trust you with my life. I, I believe that you know what's best for me, and so I'm all yours. Repent, change your mind, believe, fully trust, that's how we receive salvation. Decades ago, I, I heard the good news uh, of Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like something changed inside of me and, and uh, opened my heart to be receptive. And, and I repented and I believed. And, and, Jesus, and I remember talking, I said, Jesus, I've, I made a mess of my life trying to run it my own way. So I'm turning it all over to you. I'm sure you can do something better with it than I can. So whatever you want to do with my life, here it is. It's yours. And I ask that you make your home in me. And I know that some of you here today, you want to take those two steps. You want to repent and believe. And I would just encourage you to, to don't let this opportunity pass you by. Today is the day to change your mind and to fully trust Going to church won't save you. Trying hard to be a good person won't save you. Volunteering won't save you. And for some of you, you might say that, you know, Jesus is, is kind of like a side gig in your life, right? Uh, that God is, is, is kind of like a hobby. He's, he's off to the side. Uh, he, He's important, but he's off to the edge somewhere and, and not at the center. 
And, and just as he is calling people all over the world, he is calling you. He's saying, come to me. Come be a part of my family. How will you respond? Do you repent and believe? Then say, I do. Even now, whisper those words. I do. Let, form those words on your lips and, and let them out. Do you repent and believe? I do. I will also tell you that, you know, I can look back in my life and say, yeah, I was saved and I am saved, but I also know that there's a whole lot of saving I still need in my life, a lot of saving grace. Um, I need the saving work of Jesus in my life every day. For example, um, I, got, I got a group email from somebody that I, I have business with out of state. And something that he said in that email really just got under my skin. And it's not the first time because he said stuff like this before. And it's bothered me before. But this time, I took action. I shot off a terse reply saying how I did not appreciate how he expresses his personal political opinions unrelated to the business. And it got worse from there. Later, I showed my email to Trish. But to my surprise, she was not impressed. And yet I was defensive. I made my case how I thought I was in the right, but deep down I started questioning it. That evening I decided to go for a walk and think it through. At this point I was upset. I was still kind of mad at this guy, and I was starting to become a little mad at myself. And while I was walking, this guy I had emailed called I didn't pick it up. A few minutes later, I listened to the voicemail. He asked me to call him back. I did not. That night, I sat up in bed for a while, and I just prayed through this, prayed about it. The next morning, I knew I had some repenting to do. So I called him back. And I apologized for the harsh tone of my email. He accepted my apology. And I was able to express my legitimate concerns without being snarky. Once again, Jesus saved me from being my worst self. He, he rescued me. He, he reconciled me to someone I had offended. Let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 9. Uh, and if you're using the Pew Bible, it's on near the end of the Bible on page 1228. Uh, 1 John 1 9 is one of the most important verses of the Bible to learn. I, I learned this and memorized this verse when I was in high school. I hope you will. You're going to learn it by heart, memorize it, because you need this verse in your life. You need to call upon it at any moment. It's written to people who have already been saved by Jesus. They've already repented and believed and received salvation. But they still need saving grace every day because they still sin sometimes. And they still need changing like we all do. 
So if you found it, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, will you read it out loud with me? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It starts out, if we what? If we confess, right. You know, confessing is a lot like repenting. It's, it's uh, changing our minds. It's agreeing with God that we have messed up. And, and this verse also gives us a promise. It says that God is faithful. It says he is just, which means he is true. He always does what is right. And when you confess, you can count on forgiveness. You can count on it. You can count on the fact that God is forgiving you, going to forgive you, loves to forgive you. And not only that, it says he's going to keep purifying you. He's going to use this experience of your confession and this forgiveness to, to, to change you, to, to perfect you, to purify you. God's plan is to make you the change he wants to see in the world. And that is the story of salvation. And it's a story that we experience and re-experience every time we receive communion. Somehow communion has a way of saying it and expressing it better than any sermon I could ever give. And Jesus invites all who repent and believe to come. And today as you come forward, I want you to just by faith let Jesus speak to you. He says, come. Do you repent and believe? And even as you're coming forward, let those words pass from your lips, even as a whisper, I do. I do.